this episode of Dad is Not a Noun, I want to thank today's sponsor, the Real Dads Network, 11th Annual Real Dads Network Daddy-Daughter Dance. So, Corey, why are you excited about this Daddy-Daughter Dance? Because we get to spend time with each other and dance. Are you going to dance? Yes. Yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> I love it. So, what is this Daddy-Daughter Dance? Good question. So the daddy-daughter dance is on February 18th in Manhattan. Weren't you born in New York? Going back home, huh? Absolutely. Gentlemen, if you're a father, if you're an uncle, if you're a grandfather, if you're just a guy in the community that ladies look up to as a positive role model, come out to this event. Put it on your calendar. This is the 11th annual daddy-daughter dance hosted by the Real Dads Network. And we're excited to have more gentlemen come together to fellowship, but also have a special night for our little queens and princesses. Have a great time, come out, enjoy, and join us on February 18th. Tickets are still available right now. So guys, I don't care if you're free or not, but just put time on your calendar to spend special time with your daughter. She's putting the pressure on you, fellas. Have a good day. Find a better fit for them, along with my crown And since the baton was passed, I've been down Cause feeling's not an option, and dad is not a noun Not at all Welcome, welcome to another episode of Dad Is Not A Now. My name is Ishmael, changing the narrative for men of color and fatherhood, as well as changing the narrative on the things I care about. And today, what I care about is my good homie. I wanted him on this podcast for the longest time, and he's with me today. It's the one and only. He's a father, husband, dope lyricist, mentor. Man, this, wear, this brother wears many hats, and I'm just happy for him to come on the show. My good brother from the West Coast, um, I think he right now he resides in Las Vegas, but yep. his home is always going to be in Cali. The one and only, the good brother, Definite Mads, is in the building. Hey. Def, thank you for coming on, bro. My oh, first, question, first question, bro, how's your heart, bro? Damn, heart. Uh you know, uh, I'm, I've been going through some things, uh, you know, uh, with the passing of my wife uh, last year. Uh, it's been one year and uh, it feels like one day, you know, um, but honestly, just been trying to make sure that I have some 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 good application of grieving um, positive. And uh, I always thank God every day that I didn't go into like a dark phase, you know, where I could have you know, turn to vices and things like that to cope with uh, trying to escape emotions and feelings, you know, that form of escapism. Um, but, you know, I've been grounded being that I work with children. They don't let me, they don't let me have a bad day. You know what I mean? <laughs> they come up and give you a big hug and, you know, uh, it, my heart is okay though. Uh, considering all things, bro, like I, it, it could be way, way worse. You know what I mean? Yeah, bro. And I'm proud of that. Um, I love that how you challenge your energy because sometimes what happens is, you know, people will challenge that energy into something negative where they can harm themselves or harm yeah. other people. But I love how you channel that energy into like the, 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 that, that passion to, to, to mentorship and teaching. Cause for the longest time I love, I've um, known you, like your first love is teaching. So where did this passion come from, from teaching? 
teaching came from um I was just a I was just a teenager and I was attending a boys and girls club in San Pedro, California. And um I have mentors there by the name of Leo Mar and Terrence Barry. Um and they were kind of coaching and molding us. Um and then at the same time they just had bought some I guess it was the first Pro Tools version, Digi 001. And it was so brand new, DAWs were so new. Um, we were all just trying to figure it out, you know? Um, and so as a as like a teen, like 17, you know, 17, 18, uh, about to graduate, I'm just now learning how to use Pro Tools in the DAW. And being that I was one of the first at the club to kind of learn it, then all the other you know, students that were younger than me by four or five years or my peers, you know what I'm saying, would want to like learn how to do it. So once I graduated high school, that was one of my first jobs was they hired me on to run a program there. So I'm like at the age of 19, already sharing my knowledge and, and sharing things with others that I learned, you know what I mean? And then I also, um, by the age of 20, I became a youth minister for junior high kids. So that kind of like tied in to the whole like fold of how to work with youth, how to um, speak in ways that are actually going to get the message across to them, you know, and relate to them. And then like, where did that, um, just that, that, that encouragement and that, that follow through, follow through to take lead that leadership role responsible. Cause sometimes often some people that's leaders, they don't know how to lead. You know what I'm saying? So how were you able to, you know, keep that um, navigation of being a leader by example? You know what I'm saying? I feel, I feel like personally throughout the journey, develop those skills because I wasn't always in that role. I was heavily as a, as a teen, a follower. You know what I mean? As a young man, as a young teen, I was a big follower. And, um, and I found myself in dark places because I was trying to emulate what other people that I thought were cool were doing, but it wasn't me. It wasn't my spirit. It wasn't my character. Um, I want to say my spiritual journey through attending church um, and getting spiritual introduction uh, through Christianity kind of grew that. And um, I want to say my, I want to say the most pivotal moment for leadership for me was, um, when I was uh, just getting into church, I had a youth pastor and the pastor had left. We had built, he had built this culture that we were all accustomed and used to, to like once a week on Tuesday nights, we, uh, all the teams would get together and it was our thing. You know, that was how we praised God and how we felt comfortable. Um, he had left to, for other endeavors and we were without a youth minister for a long time. They couldn't find a, like a proper replacement so I was like, we ain't about to let this youth group die. We, <laughs> yeah. I was like, tell so we're gonna like do it all ourselves. And that was the beginning of um, my journey with exploring pastorship and trying to um, carry on the torch and, and, and carry on the, the legacy of what we had as a culture, you know what I mean? And um, another thing is uh, in high school, when we used to battle rap, um, I used to battle rap in high school with Blue and um and Miguel would be there and stuff like that just crazy stories but um they used to have these battles and then people would gather it's like 50 60 you know it looks like a fight 
in a right. school, you would assume a fight's going down in the middle of the circle. But then the principal gets in the middle and is like, where's the fight? There's no <laughs> fight. You know what I mean? So then after a while, we got tired of them breaking up our battles, right. established an official high school hip hop club. Right. You know what I'm saying? Got teacher sponsorships, blah, 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 blah. So we can have a classroom to do it in and all that extra stuff that goes along with it. And then we made it official. And then we started charging for people to watch the battles in the outside mm -hmm. amphitheater. So I think a lot of that came out of like just me re refusing to let certain things that I value die and then just pick up the torch and be like, nah, this ain't gonna, you know, we're gonna do this. <laughs> true that true that but also talk about because you were talking about how like back in the days how you used to freestyle and uh can you just break down that um that the difference between what's restyle freestyle meaning on top of the dome from okay. joints that's written because a lot yeah. of people get that yeah. mixed up like, they, like over the years yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it even becomes more passive now. Or yeah. like, oh yeah, I mean, he didn't, he didn't like write it right now, or he didn't, you know, like he's off of the head, off the top of the head. Um, so, when, what my understanding from when I grew up and and practicing hip hop is like freestyle is, is you're making it spontaneous on the spot, and all the words are formulating in your brain as you are in real time. And then like over the years, somehow like people start getting away with reciting writtens and they're like, did you hear that freestyle? Da, 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 giving them credit. And then like people who really that understood it knew that those were writtens and things like that. And it's just too much hate and energy to be like, no, that ain't a freestyle. Right. Like, that's just too much. That's like, this. so over the years it gets misconstrued, but uh, these were freestyle battle raps where I didn't have nothing prepared. Maybe I had like, some ideas in my head where I, if I knew my opponent, I would make sure I talk about certain things right. because I knew it was coming, but I wouldn't write a whole verse and then bring it to the battle because then the battle keeps going and you're gonna run out of things to say. So you gotta be prepared to say something fresh, something new, and if they clap back at you, you gotta be able to return uh, really sharp and really fast. So that was what I loved about the sport. And know? true. And have you ever had like a challenge where I know one of the greatest freestyler of all time to me is uh, supernatural. Hands out to me. He's like number one. Of course. You know what I mean? Have you ever been in like a challenge where someone just like said, all right, make a freestyle about that sign? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that that was literally what it was. And um, I think that was one of the that era of me practicing freestyles was the sharpest I had ever been because your brain is just used to coming up with lines so fast. Um, we would we would like get out of school, freestyle on the wet walk home and just be rapping about stuff that we see in the community and the environment on the way home. Or, you know, here's the Pizza Hut, you know and then start rapping and rhyming with Pizza Hut, you know what I mean? Or just whatever the case may be. But those were the those were the scenarios um, that we were in and it felt good. I'm actually trying to work a little bit harder at it right now. <laughs> hey man, you're a mentor, you're a leader, so you gotta lead by example, so you're gonna have yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I have, <laughs> to, I have to, 
Because I'm gonna be like, look what I've been, look what I've been building. You remember how whack I was last week? (laughs) (laughs) But everyone has those bad days, bro. Facts. You, you, you can't. No one could be like LeBron James has has his bad days. Even though people shit on LeBron James, but you know he has his bad days. Dropping triple doubles in forty point games, bro. Yeah, yeah, and people still shit on him. Can't. I could never fan on that. But also the reason why I brought that up because I think that's important is to adapt. And how did that help you in your everyday life, your everyday life of adapting? Because again, when you're a freestyler, like there's like, make a rap about that sign, make that rap about that uh, Coca-Cola. So you have to adapt to what they're pointing pointing to. So how did that apply to just your everyday life, man? Because I know it had to. It's like, stay ready. You know what I mean? Stay ready. It was, you had to be sharp. Um, and that was a very arrogant phase of my life too, though, because we were sharp because I would pop up at a venue and then approach another. And, oh, you rap. Okay. Spit something. All right, man. That was written. Let me get you real quick. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> it was actually frowned upon in a cipher. If you recited something that was written and we knew it, you know what I'm saying? And it was like, all right, well, that, that's, that's cool. But. I'm about to about to destroy your written right now with something off the top. And that was a form of superiority. Like I didn't have to sit down and take an hour to write this. It's it within seconds I can destroy you. Right. So um I love that competitive nature. Um, and that's it to answer your question, it helped me prepare uh mentally for anybody and anything. I'm I'm in a way less competitive mode right now. More of my competition is with myself. Right. You know what I'm saying right now. Um, because over the years, I realized um, you could compare yourself to other people all day, and you could always feel like you're in some form of competition with while working on yourself, but not directly because that's not your intention. You know what I'm saying? There's other ways we can uh, work on ourselves and challenge ourselves, and I think those are far more important than claiming to be better than someone else at a particular craft. You know what I mean? Like it's way more important. So as I got older, I realized this, but it also helped me um, a big, I want to say about about 80% of the stuff that I've made within the last five years, I haven't written anything down. I'll sit in front of a microphone, I'll press record uh, with the beat, I'll just say whatever I have to say, I'll stop it when I need to think of something and then just press record again. And it's called step recording. But you know, I found that to be efficient with me being able to formulate things it's almost like writing but you're just bypassing the step of writing it down and i literally yeah. just say what it is instead of writing it down right, but i think i think jay-z does the same thing too like he does like he, he doesn't he doesn't write like a lot of stuff circulates to his head like he'll be in the booth and he'll just spit it out and like yeah like, like where did that you write it down? inspired by that story like what they what i had heard is the story and everybody would question like nah that can't be true that can't be true but when you got an engineer pressing the buttons for you you know what i'm saying and they're paid top dollar they're gonna do whatever it is hey stop it right there no bring it back another all right hold it give me a second and you got time in the booth you can you can do that for sure it's not a problem because i do it at home <laughs> and, and can you apply that to being a father, because I think it's the same thing. Punching in, <laughs> yeah. As a as a father, man, you got to be able to to freestyle a lot of stuff. 
because we don't get manuals. Now you could say that there's parenting books. You can read the parenting books and those are manuals. No, the fuck <laughs> they're not. You know what I'm saying? Because every kid is different, you know, every, and every uh, culture is different, you know? And um, when you're in, when you're raising children, you don't know what their personalities are going to be like. So then even that's an adaptability change that you have to be able to be flexible with and open to to accepting and dealing with. Um, you know, I got one kid that's a super straight A scholar. I got another one that's struggling, but they're a social butterfly. You know what I'm saying? And the other one is more introvert. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then it's just, you never know. And so you kind of have to change your your parenting ways based off of each child's needs and their personality types, you know, in order to properly help them grow. And I think a big part of identifying your children's um, differences is realizing that each personality will have some form of weaknesses. You know, you got your introvert that's not social. So now I got to work on his social abilities. And, you know, now I got to work on my social kids scholar the scholastics you know what i'm saying and so realizing those things i have to switch modes for each you know and those are just kind of really two basic examples those aren't like primary but those are two examples of why i have to be adaptable as a father um and it helps to be able to be flexible like that and then it, and it's just, that's the reason why I posed that question to you, brother, is that, you know, I think you being a freestyle MC, that prepared you for being a father because, again, you have to adapt depending on your on your child. Or, you know, like you were alluding earlier, is that you have to be adaptable. Like certain things that you talk to one child, you can't talk to another child about the same thing. And even down to the, like, how you speak to them. The tone, some, yeah. Some of your kids may be more sensitive than the other kids. You know what I mean? Um, and I, even when I teach, I have to be mindful, like other people's children, some kids, I can give it to them raw, right? Some, some kids, I be, they do a take and they record and I'm like, nah, do that again. Do that again. I'd be like, you can do better than that. Don't trip. Like you got this. Um, and then other kids, if you're really hard on them and then they don't feel as confident in their skill, they'll take it as some form of like defeat. And they'll be like, oh, I just can't get it right. And, you know, so sometimes as a, a, a youth mentor with music, I kind of have to let meet them where they're at skill wise. And I can't expect them to be at their pinnacle yet, you know, and then just kind of be like, hey, we got the best we could. But guess what? I'm a dope producer and I'm going to make it sound super fresh. You know what I mean? And it comes out fresh and they're always surprised when they hear the end product because it doesn't require a lot to make a good song. Right. It doesn't even require a lot of good skill right. to make a good song. If you turn the radio on, you will understand that. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't require a lot of skill. Right. It just requires the vibe. It requires the energy and the production has to be high quality. You know what I'm saying? And and that's and and what you're doing is important, especially what you're doing with the youth, because you know we you know we we live in a climate where you have high rate of youth suicide, and what you're doing, uh, note for note, is important because you're creating this community. And um, just talk about like the important work you're doing um, with note for note. Notes for notes is an organization based out of Nashville. They got about twenty three 
recording studio sites around the country that are dedicated to providing free uh, free music studio access to youth around the country. Um, I happen to operate the Las Vegas site uh, within uh, the year that I've been there. February will mark a year that I started my program there. Um, we service about two to 300 kids, depending on the season, a month. And it's just a great experience because um, you never know who you're going to get in the studio. Summer comes, there's a bunch of summer kids that you're not going to see during the regular school year. And so I also realized that um, you, you talked about community is the parent involvement, you know what I mean, is highly key for these students because you got some kids that are really talented, but they're also so ro wrapped up in their social environments that they get distracted. Yeah. These kids aren't athletes. These kids aren't doing anything else with their time. So they got a bunch of free time to blow, you know, to blow or ruin as far as their productivity and their angle on life, what direction they're taking. So I'm not their parents. I can only coach them. Right. You know what I'm saying? But keeping them in check is the parents' responsibility. And I think that that's made a good impact. What I've been doing is making a good impact on their on the community because it lets the parents know what their kids are really interested because in, some parents don't even know that their kids are that talented. Very true. You know what I mean? Or they have particular skills and they're like, I need to nurture this. So you get a guy like me that comes in and finds that and, and maybe one day we're doing karaoke and the kid gets up there and starts killing it. And I'm like, yo, what was that? <laughs> and then we start having this conversation. You ever thought about doing music? You ever thought about getting in the studio? You ever thought about writing songs? No, 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 no. Well, let me give, let me, let's try it. Just give me one shot and you, you know what I mean? And usually that one demo will spark something in them. And when you see that spark in their eyes, you know what I mean? They're, that's me? Yeah. Yo! Um, that's that's really what it's all about. But that's the community work. Um, I'm also out here in the community working with the adults. You know what I'm saying? I pop up to all the uh, concerts that the indies are throwing. You know what I'm saying? I pop up. And also some of the bigger time stuff too. I've had some Grammy Award producers come in and, and artists come in and share their stories with the youth, share their life um, experiences about how when they started, how they navigated their way, all the different hardships and, and things that they had to go through to achieve whatever successes and platforms that they've reached. You know, um, I've even had them come in to critique the kids' songs, you know, give input, even had one guy come in and like touch up a mix. He's a master engineer. Wow. I'm just like, yo, I've never had a Grammy engineer <laughs> come through and touch up my mix when I was 15. For real. Like, these did are the types get, of impacts. Bro, did you get kind of worried? Like, am I going to get like a bill? <laughs> am I going to no. get a bill in the mail? Do I got to give you pay your royalties when we drop it? Like, <laughs> nah, because like, but on the real, like these people come out of the purest of hearts. Wow. Um, I've reached out to like a lot of people. So you, you start to see who has the heart. How do you say no to an opportunity to give back like that? Yeah. Like, or just ignore it and not say no, just just kind of ignore it. Cause you don't want to say no and come off yeah. like that, you know, but um, the people that do say yes, they come in with the purest of purest hearts. Um, they take time out of their work schedules. They're not getting paid for this. 
Right. You know what I'm saying? And um, a lot of the times they get more out of it than the kids do because yeah. they never had an opportunity to give back in this capacity. You know what I mean? True that. And then, yeah. True that. And then also, sometimes do you feel the pressure? Because you see more and more, if you go around the different states around the country, they're cutting um, school after school programs. Yep. So more and more, like what you're doing, you're becoming that crucial piece in community that after school programs used to be. Because now when you think of after school programs, it's basketball, football, or they keep it traditional. It's just just yes, just sports and that's it. And if once in a while you'll find different things. So what is for you, what's do you feel like that's frustrating or do you feel like that's an opportunity? That is frustrating. Um they always try to cut things that are meaningful to the community first. You know what I mean? And um, I feel also personally that like when we get into the arts, it like you said, it's the first thing to go. And these are the forms of creation that are gonna be healing for us. When, when artists sit down and draw something, it's a form of expression. Maybe they had some turmoil going on inside and they needed to get that out. And then when they create this piece, it symbolizes whatever turmoil and it kind of had some form of release you know what i mean but these are the first things to go and the same thing with arts um and music programs now me i am a big advocate on recording arts because it's more of a modern concept you know um as a program before you're thinking like classical trainings and jazz band and you know theatrical um compositions and stuff like that because those are seen in the eyes of you know educational systems as worthy of funds and stuff right. like that and we know the reason why that that's like based on your well and it's demographic be, yeah. based and all that too you know so for more uh of you know street kids kids that grew up in the hood on the block um people that have hip-hop culture you know growing up in hip-hop culture um and I don't want to limit to that in my statement because I have kids that do punk rock, yeah. uh, EDM, all that stuff. Where do they have outlets? Yeah. Well, they're not gonna they're not gonna sit and play Bach. I'm not saying that they wouldn't or couldn't. I'm just saying they're not interested. So you have to present something to the communities that the kids are interested in. That way, it keeps them off the streets and right. it keeps them out of the things that they could be destroying their lives with. You know, so, yeah, it's very frustrating hearing about all these cuts and all these things like that. But I also feel there's a lack of advocacy. And so this year I've been really trying to focus on getting my paperwork and my proposition game up and also going down to like town hall meetings and city hall talking and and actually not being a politician, but being almost like an ambassador Mm. for the youth in the community. You know what I mean? And and then um, how can people help out? Like, how, what can like ordinary people do to just spread the word, man? Um, I think what ordinary people can do, if you're not in the industry and you're not serving in some capacity where you can come in and donate your time to give something in an educational fashion, is to uh, follow me on Instagram. It's D E F M A S S, and just start sharing the content that I post. You know, I always post the engagements. And um, it's gained a lot of traction and people start um, getting, becoming more aware that it exists because there's literally a $60,000 studio in 
Las Vegas, dedicated to the youth, and not a lot of people know about it. Actually, it's the only one in Nevada, period. Wow. So that's that's also disheartening, right? So it's kind of like, yeah, just reposting, sharing, liking, commenting, you know, all those things start to add up because when people see the traction, they're like, oh man, this is really bubbling. And not that it isn't already, but with people's support and the community support, it gains more traction. You share it, a hundred more people see it. You know what I mean? Like, this is how it goes. That's true. And then like, 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 like action wise, like what can people actually do? Like action wise? I know we can want to like They can donate if they want to. I got some donation links that uh, I can post up. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not sure how we'll do it on this particular interview. Maybe we can drop it in the, um, in the detailed descriptions and stuff like that. But there's, there's donation links and things like that that go directly to the studio of Las Vegas. And <clears throat> we're able to use those funds to, buy resources so like if we go on a field trip or something um we have the means to to actually get the students there or give them food for the day while we're out on the um field trip or you know certain like things like that and the reason why i bring this up is again like we were talking about earlier is that that you have um your state cutting these school programs and what definite mass is doing with his team is being that person that's keeping those programs alive that's funded by public dollars just like um what's keeping uh, pbs sustainable is a lot of that money from pbs is public dollars yeah. um and so if those dollars don't come in they won't be able to provide those services for those kids that need it and he provides a service for almost 300 kids and that's 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 bonkers so some of the things that just so just people have an idea of some of the things that um, I've done over the last year with the students is um, the West Las Vegas Library has a huge theater, 300 capacity, um, like big, nice light stage and all that. We did a whole summer jam and it, it I basically rolled together a show of the best of the best from the 13 different boys and girls clubs that are throughout this region. So I one from each site, you know what I mean? The best of the best. Big stage, big sponsorships um, going into this. Also, uh, through the friend of DJ Mac, um, shout out DJ Mac. He was able to get me in contact with uh, one of Drake's engineers, uh, mm. Luca Predalesi, this Italian brother out here in Vegas. And I'm mad because I didn't know this the studio was even out here. <laughs> I've been out here <laughs> for like five years. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, Luca's got a studio. He just mixed uh, Drake's last album uh, this year. And I'm like, what? He's like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, he said, bring the kids down. It's all good. So we, we loaded up a van of about 11, 12, um, brought them all down. I haven't posted the clips yet, but I will I'll get to it. But man, it, he this guy also engineered like Turn Down for What? Um, just really, really big hits, man. And wow. it was very, very humbling to see how like calm and like, respectable and nice and how much he wanted to care and give back to the kids. And it was just a shocker for me because I was like, a lot of times when I think about big, big names, I, I like being an underdog my whole career, I always felt like these people are just kind of like, nah, we ain't messing with them. Why would we want to do this and give back? And blah, blah, blah. But as uh, the year rolled on, I realized that a lot of people do want to give back and they just, Either it's not on their mind, but most of the time they don't know how. Yeah. Like, what you gonna just roll up one day and just 
surprise, boys. Yeah. Here. Drink like twelve kids. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of seems informal and like kind of like it could be done in a better fashion. So that's where I come in as a medium um, to facilitate these types of experiences for the youth. We also brought a youth, our uh, Compton youth. So I also run one in Gardena, Compton, California. Brought them to um, studio in Hollywood where. If you watch the Kanye documentary where Kanye raps through the wire to Pharrell and auditions and Pharrell just like walks out the room, brought them to this studio. And that's the same studio where Lady Gaga cut records, Beyonce, et cetera, et cetera. Will I Am, crazy stuff has been created in the studio. Get to tour the studio. They've got to play their demos in the studio on the big speakers and stuff like that. So these are the types of experiences that we provide outside of the normal, let me teach you how to write a song, let me teach you how to make a podcast, et cetera, et cetera. And that's important because it goes back to somebody who taught me this phrase, the good brother, Cole William, how can I become something if I've never seen it? And what you're doing is you bringing these kids to a place to have them visualize that that person looks like me. So if they could do it, I could do it. Yeah. It's incredible. And not only not only that, but I, I try to diversify the experiences when guests come in. So it's not just artists, right. singers, rappers. It'll be engineers. It'll be artist managers, you know? Uh, one of the artist managers, I got so lucky, bro. Wow. Uh, the, the the singer, Selena. Her wow. older brother, A.B., wow. is the producer for all the Selena records, right? Wow. So I ran into his manager. And he's like, yeah, man, I'll come down. I'm like... Fine blow. What like <laughs> this is this are you serious right now? So he got to tell the kids, he got to tell the kids like what it's like doing it and what the position entails and because not everybody's gonna be the superstar. I always yeah. tell my kids that, you know, always make and be a creative and make what you want. But get guess what? Not everybody's gonna shoot to the top of the top, mm-hmm. you know, and you have to find so I have homies that grew up and um, that I grew up with and they were artists and rappers or whatever. And then all of a sudden their career starts to develop and change and shift. And now they're the top uh, editorial writer for Uproxx or they're the top, uh, you know, podcaster or whatever the case may be. You know, um, people find their little niche and they they carve it out. They still have their passion for music but realize like that wasn't everything for me, but I love it still. And I have appreciation for the art. So there's other lanes I also introduced to them. Facts. Um, I tell a lot of people, I tell a lot of youth too, that it's okay to be Robert Ory. Yeah, you got that <laughs> <laughs> Right? You got yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> You got more than some of the people that, you know, go to the Hall of Fame. But guess what? You got seven rings. You got seven rings, but you played an integral role in that team winning championships. And that's what yeah. I tell a lot of people is like, if you want to look at someone's story, look at Robert Ory's story, right? I yeah. think that's a prime example of, you know, you don't have to be a superstar to make a career for yourself. Yeah, that's um, true. You know, you don't have to be the face of the franchise. Yeah. But at the same time, you could be an integral part of that franchise. Yeah. And every franchise he's been to, he's been an integral part. If you go back to the Rockets, if you go to the Lakers, Big Shot Bob, 
You go to the San Antonio. Still, he has he, one of the. He is like, that guy. He is that guy. Yes, you know what I mean. Like, for real, and sh uh, shout out to Steve Kerr because Steve Kerr is that same guy. He's the same dude too. <laughs> right, and he could have just been like, "I'm about to retire. I got in the play with Jordan." Blah 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 blah. But here yeah. we are, running championship runs with the Warriors. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Found his little. Maybe I'm sure when he started off, he was like, "I'm a baller. I'm going to the NBA." Yeah. And it wasn't in his mental to be like, I'm going to be a head coach and yeah. take uh, another team to the championship. How many rings they got? Yeah, what, what, know, three? I don't know, but yeah, at least three, four, whatever. Yeah. Now he's continuing on his legacy in another form. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. the one thing that if people get from this podcast is that, you know, you don't have to be the, the face of something, you know. You know, you can make a good living by doing something you love. Let's say if it doesn't pay, it doesn't mean it doesn't pay you out. But also remember, there's always options. Dude, you know a lot I mean? of the times the other guys get paid more than the superstars. Yeah, seriously. The executives and the, the guys behind the scenes. and real. Yeah. Facts. So, I mean, if it's about bread, be behind the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> That's where the money is at. Seriously, you ain't lying. Yeah. Like, those, like... Those behind the people are well needed in in that arena. Yeah, the attorneys, the the accountants, the uh, you know the the managers, the the publishers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So all of that, all of that count. And I love that's you you know what you're doing with uh, note for note is that you're you you're bringing this to the forefront to the kids, and I think that's important because you're letting them understand that at the end of the day, music is a business. Whatever art you're doing is a business. And so applying that element, I think it's important to it. But before, uh, you know, we, we, we in this conversation, bro, um, uh, talk about, you know, I know the real talk right now has been talking about AI and artificial intelligence and, and everything like that. Like, what are your feelings of AI and music? Because I've seen a thing going on right now where, there's a, a a platform right now where AI is writing your own lyrics. Yeah, I I'm not afraid of AI, but um, I feel like throughout time we're gonna start seeing the shift into the meta world. You know, um, we're probably the last generation that's gonna have the the knowledge about the value of living in real time. Because the kids are already super glued to their phones. Um, they spend a good portion of their days online. Um, and once once online becomes more of a, like there's actual places to go and experiences to, to experience, you know, as your little avatar, you right. know, people are going to spend more and more and more time on that. I, I, I look at it from the slippery slope perspective. Um, I don't know how long that's going to take, but as you already know, they're already developing real estate within Meta World. Right. So AI and AI characters. You remember? Um, I believe it was Capitol Records that had oh came yeah, out the artificial that, yeah, I remember the that, artificial yeah. artists. And when it came, yeah, out, made this whole like controversy. The world's not ready yet, but that's what we're leaning and going towards. Right. Because during the pandemic, there was a lot of stuff where there was digital appearances. It would be like. ASAP Rocky's performing in Fortnite. Right. A million plus attendees. You know what I'm saying? 
And that's worth something. That's worth something for the people that are generating the revenue from these platforms and stuff like that. So the, all these things are very real. And to create a fake artist or using um, AI to generate lyrics, to get a microwave uh, fake version of an emotion, I'm not saying that it wouldn't still be real because there's still words. And depending on the artist, they could take those words and right. make them feel real. But I don't think anything is ever going to replace the authentic human experience. That's right. just, that's just crazy. No, I feel you too. I feel you. And I see it as, you know, you could probably um, copy the lyrics of Jay-Z, but you're not going to copy the actual thoughts of Jay-Z or nope. the same thing as definite mouse. Like yeah. AI is not going to be there while you're writing that lyrics on your, on your, on your pen and pad. Or the that will require the entire download data of your entire brain memory yep. and all of that. Like it would, or something crazy where, where they would like analyze the tones of your voice and fluctuations and then take all the lyrics you've ever written and, and recited and recorded and take all the words into data to then formulate something like and I mean, that's it's not impossible happen. but that's not uh, gonna happen until like 40 50 years from now if that, yeah. <laughs> if, that's that if that's that that next level of ai that's not gonna be happen happen to 40 or 50 years later that's how i feel you know what and I'm i personally feel it's possible now but what what they're willing to expose to the public is a whole nother thing same thing like cell phones you know yeah. and shit like that they're all military technologies before we even got the access for public use, you know what I mean? And they're still technically military devices because they're able to track you and hear everything that you say and yep. do, you know? Yep. Facts, facts. But, bro, let's talk about the music, man. You got the, the joint. You know, I can't let you leave the podcast without talking about the music. Talk about uh, Block Scholar, man. Talk about that because I think that's the most current thing that dropped. Yep. Talk about Block that. Talk Scholar about Block Scholar, cool, man. Me and my boy, T on one and uh, detail, you know what I'm saying? But he goes by Mr. Tibbs. And it's the squad, man. I produce all the beats on this particular project, but I'm also, it's a trio of MCs. But the focus of this project and the crew is Block Scholar. So it's got like street themes, but it's knowledge-based. So mm. it's kind of like you got experiences from growing up in the hood or different different environments where it's, there's a lot of turmoil and stress and violence and um you know it could be anything from growing up and then realizing your your parents are on dope you know what i'm saying and how to how we grew up dealing with that you know type of thing like that as a kid um and navigating your way through through neighborhoods and, and environments like this without totally subscribing to that lifestyle so i think that that's good and important because a lot of a lot of information that the students receive through music is just kind of like yeah we're endorsing this you know right. we're endorsing this lifestyle we're subscribing to this lifestyle so the youth grow up emulating it and it's kind of like a, 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 t calls it counterculture you yeah. know there has to be some kind of other supplement for them you know and um there is such a thing as youth that grow up out of the hood and they didn't become gangbangers yeah. and they became 
they came they became uh software engineers or they became uh, uh entertainment lawyers or they became whatever whatever else or they became world-class uh skateboarders or whatever you know what i'm saying like there is a story for them too you know what i mean it's not like we won't we don't want to paint the stigma of everything in our neighborhoods is going to be violent and dangerous and, and a detriment to society like so that's the approach to the project and it's a fire project and that link to the two um joints are going to be that's on youtube that's going to be in the description below bro i appreciate you coming on the podcast man thank you I'm man i know it's nine o'clock a.m your time so cool. you know <laughs> sunday is a rest day i don't know if you're a 49er fan i know you're probably getting ready for the game nah my team got smashed, bro. I'm a Viking, but you know, I'm just used to it at this point. We like we had a stellar season and it just I already knew I was like yeah. just, just, just blow it off. Just like the Cowboys. Yeah. You, yeah. you know what's gonna happen. Yeah, they're like, yeah. Squad. <laughs> ah man, I don't even have a squad, man. I'm nope. gonna be honest. Um I I'm I haven't been a big fan of football since the days of uh, the 49ers okay. with Joe Montana, oh, Jerry okay. Rice, and that stuff. And ever yeah. since that time, I, I the only time I watch it is like the fourth quarter. Cause mm-hmm. I'm gonna be, I ain't gonna lie. Sometimes it's boring, dude. It's straight it up boring. Cool. It's yeah, like you, watch it down. you you punt yeah. the you, you don't score, you pump you punt the ball. They don't score, you punt the ball. And the time it get really exciting, it's like if it's a close game in the fourth quarter. And then I watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm engaged. You see what happens. But before that, I'm like, yo, I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'd rather watch C-SPAN. Yeah, yeah. You gotta watch the like <laughs> Super Bowl or like at least the last, you know, the conference finals and stuff like that. And I know I probably get a lot of hate. Like, what are you talking about? Football's the greatest game ever. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I do the same thing with basketball too. I'm not about to watch all 82 games and then like. <laughs> the playoffs come yeah, yeah look this is who made it like we're gonna see who's who but. yeah me basketball is a different story i love basketball but i'm gonna leave it like that but bro <laughs> before we end before we end it like how people can find you man <laughs> all right people are gonna be able to best find me on instagram and that's d-e-f-m-a-s-s that's death mass you know what i'm saying um and that's my main platform so instagram or youtube you can definite the mc definite the mc and that's where all my content for my artistry is posted so you can check it out or block scholars music um on instagram yeah put that block scholar on heavy rotation it's fire block scholars music yeah put put that on there man you need some education in your life so you play that but bro i appreciate you man thank you this has been another amazing that is not a now conversation you know Follow me, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes. Follow this man. He's amazing. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm just an average, though. Just, and just the best thing, you people. My bad. I didn't even really <laughs> I'm, I'm just the quiet dude that just assists, and that's it, man. That's it. That's all I do. I'm like the um, John Stockton of podcast. One hell of a... <laughs> that's between us. But, yeah, just, just follow us. Follow this man, and we're out. Peace.